Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. to introduce you all to one of the foremost preaching voices in the church right now. Pastor Manny Arango has been absolutely shifting the climate of the church in the United States because God has been using him to preach at all kinds of churches. And like I said, he's been to Elevation. He's been to Live Church. He's been to Social Dallas. But you ain't been nowhere if you ain't been to the tent in Vista yet. And so I want you to give a big round of applause and we welcome to the stage at this time Pastor Manny Arango coming to us from World Overcomers Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Let's receive him. Anybody grateful to God today? Come on. I'm honored that you would clap for me. I'm honored that you would stand up for me. But is there anybody in the room who understands if it had not been for the grace for the mercy, for the faithfulness of God, man, you don't know where you'd be. Come on, you have no idea. If you let your imagination kind of run wild a little bit, you could see yourself living a totally alternate life if God had not stepped in in a decisive moment in your life. Oh, come on, God is good. He's faithful. He's kept you from danger, seen and unseen. Oh, come on. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. When there were people who wanted to throw you away, God stepped in and said, oh, no, 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 no. I've got a future and a plan for you. God is amazing. And uh, I'm honored to be able to preach today. Man, you can grab a seat. You can sit down, high five somebody on your way down. And uh, I am so honored to be with you guys. Super, super honored. Uh, I'm black. For anyone who did not realize, okay? I'm black. Uh, I'm black every day. Every every day, okay? And so that means I grew up preaching at black church. Everybody say black church. I grew up preaching at a black church, okay? And uh, there's no confusion or ambiguity about whether or not you're doing a good job or a bad job when you preach in a black church, okay? If you're doing a bad job, everybody say bad job. job. If you're doing a bad job, that means your jokes ain't funny. That means you didn't study enough, okay? That means like you're not in line with whatever the spirit is trying to say that day. Like if you're doing a bad job, all right? And your sermon is tanking, like this is not good. One of the church mamas typically sit in this section of the church right over here, sometimes wearing a little doily cap on her head, you know? One of the church mothers, if you're doing a bad job, come on, everybody say bad job will stand up in the middle of your sermon and say, help him, Holy Ghost. (laughs) Which at that point, like, at a black church, they're not even quiet when you're doing a bad job, okay? Uh, Church mama, it's funny how the church mama ain't never been to seminary. Church mama ain't got no kind of biblical degree, but know when she hear heresy, you know what I'm saying? Like, church mama, no, like, "Mm mm-mm, that ain't God, you know what I'm saying? Church mama, no, yeah. And so, uh, uh, but hey, if you're doing a good job, 
a good job, like a good job. That means like you are opening up manna from heaven. Like that means you're laying out a table, okay? And people are feasting on the word of God because Matthew chapter four, verse four says that man doesn't live on bread alone, but by every what? Word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Like that means you are feeding people spiritually. That means you stepping on people's toes but they still want you to step on them a little bit more. Like, nah, convict me, pastor. Let's go. Like, a good, you're doing a good job. That same church mama that would have said, help him, Holy Ghost, the week before. That same church mama will just stand up and look at you like something stank. That same church mama will begin to say things like, boy, you better preach. Let's go. Say it again for the folks in the back, okay? That same church mama will begin to say things like, take your time, preacher. Take your time. So here's the deal. We all black today, okay? Everybody's black, okay? Boo-boo, you black, okay? Bruh, you black, okay? We all black, okay? Everybody's black today, and uh, which means you got to holler back at me today, okay? Come on, give me a good amen. Give me a good preach, preacher. Let's go. Uh, and, and here's why. Here's why. Here's why. Whenever a preacher is trying to encourage you to be responsive, it's not because that preacher needs that for their ego. Not at all. Actually, it's because the Bible says this, that the power of life and death are in where? Your voice. Come on, I could preach to you till I'm blue in the face, but until you begin to agree with what's coming out of my mouth, it's not until you begin to say amen. Do you want to know what the word amen means? Amen means so let it be, which means if the preacher's preaching about peace and you know you're struggling with anxiety, in faith you begin to say amen because you're saying so let peace be in my life this week. If the preacher's preaching about joy and you know you've been struggling with depression, that's a great place to say amen because what you're declaring is the devil is a liar and what it looks like right now is not what it's going to look like forever so let joy be in my life come on I'm going to declare amen 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 and and whoo here we go here's a little church hack and it lets the preacher know that you don't feel convicted uh-oh I used to tell my teenagers all the time, like, hey, if I start preaching about sexual sin and you get all quiet, it lets me know you struggling with sexual sin. You know what I'm saying? So if I'm preaching on sexual sin and you start saying amen, I'm like, oh, you must be living pure. You can trick the preacher. It's great. So if somebody's preaching about something and like when Pastor Josh got up and was like, hey, let's give. Even if you ain't tithing, you need to say amen, right? Because everyone goes, damn, they must be a giver, right? It's great. It's called a church hack, okay? It's awesome. It's called fake it till you make it, okay? So uh, you need to say amen. Come on. We're going to be responsive. And here we go. I got, a, I, got a, I got an agreement for us, okay? Uh, I don't know if anybody grew up with a mama like my mama. If my mama felt like I was crying for no reason, my mama would look at me, Pastor Josh, and my mama would say, hey, if you don't stop crying, I'm going to give you something to we had a same mama. That's crazy. That's crazy. So uh, I was a youth pastor for about 10 years, and so for about a decade. And so I would say to my teenagers all the time, I'd say, hey, uh, if you act bored while I'm preaching, oh, I'll give you something to be bored about. I'll bust open Deuteronomy in a heartbeat, okay? I'll, I'll 
just start reading sacrificial laws, it'll be great, okay? I have a blast, and you will be bored out of your mind, okay? So if I'm preaching good, let me know. Here we go. I got an agreement for us. Here we go. As long as you promise to act black, I promise to act white. And I'm going to get this sermon done in 35 minutes, okay? Because the church I grew up at, church wasn't over until, like, I don't know. Church was, you just had church. It was just an all-day event, okay? Church just happened and happened and happened and happened, okay? Preacher preached for, like, 90 minutes. There was four choirs. It was a lot, okay? So, man, I'm just so glad to be with you guys. Seriously, this is a move of God. Like, if you were wondering what God moving looked like, you can look around, okay? Because I've, man, I've been talking to Pastor Josh since yesterday just about what God is doing in this church that you guys baptize more people in COVID than before COVID. That is a miracle. That is a testament to what God is doing in this church. Told me the whole story about how this building came to be and why we're in this tent. And man, this is what faith looks like. The fact that you would follow a vision and believe not just God, but what God is saying to a human being that you can see. That is the test of faith. So give it up for yourself for being a part of something incredible. Come on, if you're a part of Lighthouse Church, come on, I believe that you're a part of something that's phenomenal. Pastor Josh, Pastor Joanna, thank you so much for having me with you guys. I'm super, super honored to be here. My faith has been encouraged just hanging out and talking to you. Thanks for going on a 45-minute walk with me yesterday. I'm doing this, like, health challenge thing. And I've got to walk, like, for 45 minutes a day. So Pastor Josh picked me up from the airport. And I was like, hey, man, we got to go for a walk. And uh, <laughs> thank you for walking with me. Thank you for uh, just being a kind host. Thank you for being a phenomenal pastor. And, uh, man, I, I, I think that um, you give honor to where honor is due. So um, Pastor Josh, Pastor JoJo, do we call you Pastor JoJo? Is that okay? The, group, the church I grew up at, you're a first lady, okay? So first lady JoJo, we love you. Uh, Pastor Josh, thank you so much for your faithfulness, for your vision, for all the sacrifice that it takes to, to do this. We love you so much. So, and uh, come on, cap clap for your pastors. We love you guys. Lighthouse Church, you ready for the word? You ready for the word? Come on, let's get to the word. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15. Um, I, I, I woke up this morning. Uh, and felt like the Holy Spirit was giving me pretty clear direction, um, not just about a sermon, but on like a word that I'm supposed to preach on today. And I want to preach to your faith today, okay? I want to preach to your faith today. And uh, I don't know if you've been struggling with disappointment, but if you let disappointment run its course, disappointment starts to turn into doubt. And doubt starts to turn into bitterness, and bitterness starts to turn into a hard heart towards God, and eventually that turns into unbelief, okay? And when you're in unbelief, you're like one step away from being an atheist, all right? So uh, I want to talk to your faith, okay? Your faith. Come on, we've all been through uh, an unprecedented year. We've all been through a lot, okay? Me and my wife, we were believing God for a child all like for five years in the middle of COVID, had a miscarriage. 
So I don't want to preach to your faith in some pie-in-the-sky kind of reality. Because faith isn't just for the mountaintop moments. Faith is for the valleys, okay? I want to preach to your faith. I want to preach to your faith. We can't stop bad things from happening. We can't stop life from happening. But we can control how we respond in the middle of heartache, in the middle of pain, in the middle of disappointment. So I don't know what's, like, happened to you this year. I don't know what's happened in the season that you're in. I don't know if disappointment pointing things have happened but we're going to take authority over the soil of your heart and we're going to declare that I'm going to be good ground I'm not going to be someone who's hard-hearted I'm not going to be someone whose faith is on autopilot I'm not going to be someone whose faith is on cruise control I'm not just going to be a Christian but still be an unbeliever uh-oh 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 because the Bible says don't be yoked together with unbelievers you know Pastor Josh what I think we translate that to be I think we subconsciously, it gets into our little mind scrambler, and we hear, don't be yoked together with unbelievers, but then we read, don't be yoked together with non-Christians. The Bible doesn't say don't be yoked together with non-Christians. It says don't be yoked together with unbelievers. Do you know you can be a Christian and be an unbeliever? Uh Uh-oh. I remember a couple years ago, I was struggling with flight anxiety, okay, which is very unfortunate for me because I'm on about two or three flights a week, all right? And so I'm struggling with flight anxiety, and uh, I would start to get anxiety the day before the flight. I would get the notification from Delta or American Airlines, like, you can check in, and I'd immediately feel this, this anxiousness in my stomach I'd start feeling anxiety and man don't let turbulence hit on an airplane Woo! I'm doing I'm doing all time I'm not even Catholic and I'm like making signs of the cross I'm I'm just I'm freaking out okay and so it's funny because I was I was about to board a plane and I'm just I'm an extrovert by nature you know and so I'm making friends with this guy at the gate and you know we're exchanging pleasantries we're talking and uh, we both travel a lot and then uh, he asked me, you know, what do you do for a living? And I said, well, I'm a preacher. I'm a pastor. And he immediately was like, whoa, yeah, hey, man, I've had fun talking to you. <laughs> Just know if we're going to continue to talk, don't talk to me about God or Jesus or any, anything like that. I, I'm not interested. And I went, hey, man, I respect your boundaries. Thanks for being, you know, clear. <laughs> I have a life, you know, so I can talk to you about all types of other things. And so we get on this flight, and we actually eventually end up sitting next to each other. We're sitting next to each other, and as providence would have it, turbulence starts breaking out on the plane. You know, and the flame, just a roller coaster in the sky, you know, turbulence is breaking out. And of course, you know, I start squirming, and I, you know, I adjust the air, (laughs) because I'm feeling hot, you know, and you know, my palms are sweaty. And this uncircumcised Philistine, looks over at me and says, I thought he's cool as a cucumber, okay? (laughs) Sipping on his Jack Daniels, just, I mean, drinking alcohol on the plate, just cool as can be, looks at me, a Christian, and says, I thought you said you were pastor. I'm breaking out with an anxiety attack. I'm, (laughs) I'm like, breathe in, breathe out, right? And then he said these words. If one of us, if this plane goes down, don't you have eternal security? If any, if one of us should be worried, it should be me. That was the last time I had an anxiety attack on a plane. 
No, I kid you not, because I have authority over my soul. I have authority over my flesh. I have authority over my mind. I have authority over my feelings. I have authority. And I realize this. Ooh, I feel like preaching. Peace is one of the best forms of evangelism the church has for a world that is struggling with anxiety. And an un, a non-Christian I met that day, a non-Christian who was a believer. Not a Christian, but a believer. Here it is. I'm creating scenarios where the plane is going to crash. Because that's all anxiety is. Can I help you really fast? Come on. If you're anxious, you know what that tells me? You have an imagination. <laughs> you can't even have anxiety without an imagination. Why would you use your God-given imagination to imagine negative outcomes when you can use that same God-given imagination to imagine positive outcomes, to imagine it working out for you. Come on, I cannot control the trigger, the thing that makes me anxious, but I can control my response and I can decide what. It's funny, in this whole, in this whole season, I had flight anxiety for about two years. Two years I had flight anxiety and you wanna know, it's funny, uh, I remember one time the Lord, he said to me, he said, hey, uh, you realize every time you're anxious, the plane lands and everything's fine, right? And I was like, yeah. And, and, and God began to say, how about, how about you save your anxiety for stuff that's actually dangerous? Because this isn't what crashing feels like. This is what flying feels like. You know, a lot of things that we're anxious about, baby, that's just life. Oh, I'm preaching. A lot of the stuff that we're anxious about, guess what? It ain't even disaster. It's just life. Life is unpredictable. Life, at the end of the day, I don't know. Life is stressful. And I think that anxiety rates are increasing because we're communicating to a generation that life is supposed to be something that it's not. That everyone's supposed to like you. Boo-boo, everybody ain't supposed to like you. So you're anxious about people liking you when at the end of the day, the reality is everybody ain't going to like you. Since Jesus, he says this. Is this helpful to anybody? This isn't what I had written down, but can we go here? Can we go here? Uh, Jesus says these words. In this life, you will have trouble. Come on. In this life, you will have trouble. Like, Jesus just says it right out of the gate. It's funny. In this whole stretch where I had flight anxiety, if the, if the pilot announced over the loudspeaker, hey, in, a, in five minutes, we're going to have some turbulence, and it's going to last for 15 minutes, you want to know something? I didn't get anxious. But if it caught me by surprise, I got anxious. You know why Jesus lets us know, hey, in this life, you're going to have trouble. And so that none of the stuff that makes you anxious is no longer a surprise. It's like, hey, 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 guess what? Hey, the eviction notice, that's just a part of life. Your business partner felt, hey, guess what? This is a part of life. Hey, your teenager did something crazy? Guess what? It's a part of life. It's just life. And maybe we have an issue with anxiety because we have unrealistic expectations about life. At some point, we don't come to church and become Christian so that our lives would be troubleless. 
We come to church and we become Christians not for a God who prevents trouble, but for a God who's present in trouble. He's present. He doesn't say, I'm going to prevent it. He just says, I'm Emmanuel. I'm the God who's with you. In the middle of issues, in the middle of storms, in the middle of valleys, in the middle of miscarriages, in the middle of foreclosures, in the middle of layoffs, in the middle of being furloughed, in the middle of a pandemic, I'm not the God that prevents it. I'm the God that's present. I'm an ever-present help in the time of trouble. The promise is not that I'll prevent all the trouble. The promise is that I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm always with you. I'm right here, and I'll be your joy, and I'll be your peace, and I am the I am that I am and whatever you need me to be I'm there but I'm not going to prevent it I'm just going to be present with you in it alright okay we got to get to the message because I made a promise <laughs> told you I wouldn't preach all day okay let's go to Matthew chapter 15 I want to talk to your faith okay your faith your faith your faith I want to talk to your faith I want you to believe God for the impossible I want you to believe God for the miraculous right now you're looking at somebody uh, my son is five weeks old right now. Uh, he's one month and one week, okay? I've got a five-week-old son, and five years ago, I went, uh, me and my wife, we, uh, we had been married for about two years, and we decided, hey, it's time to have some kids, and uh, tried for six months, no kids. Tried for a year, no kids. We finally made an appointment at a fertility clinic, and doctors let us know that I had no sperm, none. No sperm. No sperm. Okay? None. <laughs> no swimmers. Swimmers wasn't swimming. No soldiers. Okay? <laughs> no sperm. Um, uh, and they, they said, you need a sperm donor. You need to look at adopting. Um, you need to look at, uh, you, need, you need to do something. But you will never biologically have your own children. Um, and before I left the house to come on this trip, I held my son in my arms. So when I'm gonna preach about faith, you're looking at a person with no sperm, but who has a son who's biologically mine. God can do anything. He's the God of the impossible. He can do anything. If you've put him in a box, then he's not the God of the universe. He's the God who can do anything. He actually enjoys completely busting out of the seams of your expectations, of what you thought was possible. You're, you can, he's not the God of your logic. He's the God of faith. He's the God of faith. So I want to preach to your faith, okay? Come on, Matthew chapter 15. Let's, let's, is it going to be up here? Matthew chapter 15. Come on, give it up for the tech team. Okay, Matthew chapter 15. Let's go. We're going to use Matthew chapter 15 as a frame. And then we are going to use that frame to understand what's happening in John chapter 2, okay? So I'm going to bring you to two passages of Scripture, both in the New Testament. We're going to do Matthew chapter 15, then we're going to do John chapter 2. Uh, and I like to do call and response, okay? So if there's a word that I don't say, that means it's your turn to say the word that I don't say, okay? Here we go. Leaving that. Oh, that was 60% participation. Okay, let's, what, come on. Leaving that. There we go. Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Uh-oh, verse 23, Jesus did not answer a word. 
Jesus had his AirPods in this day, okay? <laughs> Jesus didn't say nothing back to this lady. Come on, come on. I need you to get this. The woman comes with respect and honor. She says the right things. Come on. Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. She's not asking for something selfish. She's asking for someone else. She, come on. This woman is checking all the boxes, right? She's saying the right worship songs. She came to church. She tithed. She volunteered. She did all the right stuff. And Jesus still ignored her. So, okay, okay, for all of you super spiritual, awesome Christians who Jesus never ignores you, this sermon ain't for you. But for the rest of us who have ever been disappointed and we've ever been frustrated, because God, wait a whole second. I said the right words. I sang the right songs. I gave in the offering. I'm a tither. I'm a giver. I volunteer. I checked all the boxes, and I feel like my prayers are bouncing off the ceiling and coming back. I feel like you're not answering me. I feel like you don't care. I feel like you've neglected me. I'm preaching to you today, okay? If I'm preaching to you, you can give me a good amen because here we go. Being ignored by God does not make you special or unique. This woman comes correct. Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. She's not arrogant. She's not presumptuous. She's not disrespectful. She's not selfish. And Jesus doesn't even respond, okay? Over all the super spiritual people in the room who I hear from God every day. Okay, awesome. (laughs) You better than me, boo-boo, because there are some days where I'm like Jesus has not answered a word. Let's keep on reading. Come on. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her. Come on, send her. For she keeps crying out after us. Finally, Jesus answered, "Uh uh-oh, I was only sent to the lost sheep of Now, Now, the passage has already said that Jesus left that place. Jesus has left Israel. And where is he? He's in the region of Tyre and Sidon. What does verse 22 tell us? That the woman is a Canaanite. She is not from Israel. She is not a Jew. Jesus says, hey, boo boo. You ain't even a right ethnicity to be asking me no questions. You, you're not even a right race. Like you, I ain't doing nothing for no Canaanites out here. What you thought this was, okay? I was sent to the lost sheep of Israel, okay? Are you an Israelite? Don't look like it to me, okay? You are not a Jew, so get to the back of the line. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen or witnessed an ethnic minority get disrespected. <laughs> It ain't cute, okay? I've seen, I've personally seen some moments, especially last year, where ethnic minorities are pretty fired up. (laughs) Me being one of them. (laughs) When they feel like this is unjust, this is unfair, this is not right, Jesus goes for the jugular. Jesus is like, boo-boo, let me tell you why my AirPods are still in and I'm ignoring you. You ain't the right ethnicity. You ain't Jewish. You're not from Israel. You're a Canaanite. Get to the back of the line. Now, 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 now. Here we go. There's some of you that can withstand being ignored by God, but there's a whole lot of us who cannot withstand being offended by God. You would have stayed in line to speak to Jesus as long as he's ignoring you, 
But the moment Jesus stops ignoring you and starts offending you, oh, boo-boo, you'll leave church. You, okay, not a lot of amens. Oh, mm. <laughs> that pastor offended me. Oh, for real? <laughs> I, I, God, I'm mad at God right now, okay? Come on. You, you, you can stand a God who ignores you from time to time. But let God start offending you. If you think that every time you're offended, it's the devil, you are confused, okay? Because God sometimes pushes your buttons too because God wants to know how bad do you actually want what you've asked me for. And God begins to push you and offend you and say things to trigger you because God wants to know, are you believing that I'm going to be your genie? Rub the lamp, get three wishes, or do you want me to be your God, the person who cares about your perfection, your holiness, the person who cares about your maturity, the person that doesn't just care whether or not you're blessed, but whether or not you are mature and complete, not lacking anything. Come on. God is like, I was only sent to the last year of Israel. Now, listen to this woman's response. I love this. Here we go. Next verse. The woman came and knelt before him. This woman is like, "Uh uh-uh. If you think insulting me is going to make me leave, you don't know me. Oh, can I, can I preach? Can I say this? Can I say this? See, I think a lot of times we approach God with our feelings, not our faith. This woman left her feelings at home. She's like, you can say what you want to say. You can ignore me. I'm going to be right here. You can insult me. I'm going to be right here. Because I care more about my daughter who needs a breakthrough than I care about whether or not you said it to me the right way. I did not come here for a comforter. I came here for a God who has miraculous power. I did not come here for my feelings to get a back rub. I came here for the miraculous power of God. And I have learned, uh uh-oh, that you can't receive pity and power from God at the same time. At some point, you're going to have to cancel all the RSVPs to your pity party and decide, I don't want pity from God I want power from God I want God to challenge me I want him to empower me and I don't want I don't need soft sensitive Jesus right now I need Jesus who can do any I need mountain moving Jesus I need the Jesus with miracle power and the problem uh oh is we say we want that God until he starts offending us uh-oh, I, oh, come on. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. Uh-oh. That's why a lot of us are still single. Ain't it crazy how we say we want something until we get it? I want... Pastor Manny, oh, yeah. Okay, I'm talking to a single guy at my church. Man, what are you looking for in a wife? Oh, she's got to be fine. (laughs) She's got to be a 10. I mean, I need her to be physically attractive. She's got to be hot. She's got to have it. She's got to move me physically. I got to be able to look at her and be like, yeah, I can do this, you know? (laughs) All right, yeah, bro. So why didn't it work with the last girl you was with? She was attractive. Man, she made me go to the mall with her, and I was sitting there waiting for an hour and a half. I thought you said you wanted someone attractive. Attractive women go to the mall and make you wait for an hour and a half. Wait, wait, wait. So you want... 
all of the benefits of what it takes when you have a beautiful woman, but you don't want none of the work that it takes to have a beautiful. So you're telling me that you want something, but your actions are telling me that you don't actually want what you think you want. Pastor May, I want a man who's a leader. He needs to be the spiritual head of our home. Okay, great. Why did you break up with the last dude? Because he started telling me what to do. Oh. Oh. Wait. I thought you said you wanted a leader. Leaders take charge. Leaders know what they want. Leaders are decisive. Leaders give commands. Like, what, what are you talking about? Leaders don't ask a lot of questions. Leaders lead. So either you want that. Or you don't. I want a God who can sweep in like Superman and save the day. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to know what God says? That kind of God says? He ignores you. He offends you. He triggers you. He pushes you. See, really, you want a genie God. You want a genie God. Oh, see, I'm, I'm, I'm offending. I'm, a, I'm pushing on. Oh, I'm pushing your button. See, you don't really want, you don't want what you think you want. See, if you just want the soft God, sensitive God, if you want therapist God, right? You want, you want sit on my couch. You want that God. You want the God that does that. Well, you may find that that God just doesn't have a lot of power to, like, break through walls. That God doesn't have the power to, like, do the right. Like, that God, the God that you've created in your head, which is actually an idol, which is not actually the God of the Bible, just, like, doesn't have the ability to bring peace into your life. So we've got to begin to accept God for who he is, not for who we want him to be. Am I, pre am I, help am I helping you? Okay. Woo! Okay, here we go. Let's keep going. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, uh-oh, uh-oh. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. It is not right. This is Jesus, y'all, not Judas. Jesus, okay? <laughs> Jesus says, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the... He did not just call her a dog. No, he didn't. Jesus did not just call... Roof, roof. Like, Jesus did not... <laughs> Jesus, now, now, I get it. In our culture, okay, dogs are very cute. We send them to, like, get groomed. <laughs> we have hospitals for them. In, in, in Middle Eastern culture, dogs are not even allowed in homes. Like, dogs are the most despicable thing you can have. Like, like, you know what I've realized? Like, poor people and rich people treat dogs very differently. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is how poor people treat dogs in this culture, okay? So to call her a dog is not like, ooh, you cute like Fufu. No, that's not, no, 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 no. To call her a dog would have been the most offensive thing that Jesus could have said. Some of y'all, you're like, man, I've never read this story. <laughs> I don't know this Jesus. Yeah, you, we meeting this Jesus today. Here we go. She doesn't leave. She's not mad. She's not writing no email. <laughs> She's not leaving a negative review on Jesus.com. No. Here we go. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Verse 28, then. Woo, everybody say then. Yeah. Come on, everybody say then. Yeah. 
You can't leave before you're then. You can't check out before you're then. You can't abandon your prayer life before you're then. You can't stop fasting before you're then. You can't get upset and check out before you're then. Then, Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. And her daughter was healed at that moment. Jesus lets us know what great faith looks like. This is great faith, great faith. The kind of faith that says, you can offend me, I'm still going to be here. You can trigger me, I'm still going to be here. The kind of faith that says, I'm not a spiritual gold digger. God, I'll let you disciple me and lead me. I'll let you. I'll let iron sharpen. I, I will let you mold me and shape me and disappoint me and make me walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Why? Because I know you're with me. Come on. This is great faith. Great faith. This is not secular faith. This is not just worldly optimism. This is biblical faith. The kind of faith that says, God, I know that my loved one just died of cancer, but you are still a healer because I don't worship you for what you do. I worship you for who you are. And even in the middle of a storm, in the middle of a trial, in the middle of issue, I'm still going to lift my hands and praise you and magnify you because you are a healer. Whether or not I get healed, you are a way maker ever. Whether a way gets made for me or not, you're a provider even in the middle of foreclosure, I'm going to have, come on, great faith. Great faith. Faith that says this, like Jacob, I will not let you go until you bless me. Yes, it stubborn faith, resilient faith, persistent faith. Can I preach this for a second? Can I, come on, can I go off notes for a minute? Come on, I need a good amen. In the, can I go off my notes for a little bit? It's funny because one of the best stories of faith in the Bible is Peter walking on the water. Come on. If you're not impressed with Peter walking on water, you're a tough crowd, you know. You've never walked on water. <laughs> Come on. Peter steps out of a boat and he walks on, walks on water. That to me, if there's a poster child for faith, I'm like, it's my man Peter. My man walked, maybe you're not understanding, walked on water, H2O. The only thing more impressive is walking on air. Like, that's the only thing more impressive. He walks, he drowns, Jesus saves him. You want to know what Jesus says to Peter? He says these words when they get back to the boat. Why did you doubt? You've got little faith. Wait, little faith? <laughs> Jesus, this is where like, I want to pop my head into the Bible. Like, oh, Jesus, I don't know if you just saw what I just read, but my man walked on water. Water. He walked on water. Not in a bathtub, not in a pool, in the ocean. <laughs> Walked on water, and you are calling this little faith? Wait, this seems like great faith to me. I remember having this inner dialogue with God while reading this passage. 
And I remember the Holy Spirit saying, because what impresses you doesn't impress me. For God, healing cancer and healing a paper cut is the same thing because he's God. What's difficult to you, he doesn't even have measure of difficulty. For him, there's nothing that's impressive about anything that is you defying human inabilities. He says, I'm not impressed that Peter could walk on water because I'm the one that made it happen anyway. So yeah, I don't call things a little faith or great faith based on how impressive the thing was. I call it little faith or great faith based on how long faith can be sustained. Faith is not little or great based on how impressive it is. It's little or great based on I was faithful for 10 years. I was faithful for 12 years. I was faithful for 20 years. We battled cancer for five years and I never began to not believe that Jesus could heal. Faith is not just about how impressive it is. It's about how long I can sustain it. God, I'm going to have faith today. I'm going to have faith tomorrow. I'm going to have faith the next day. I'm just going to keep having faith. Don't get weary in well-doing. I'm going to keep having faith. I'm going to be consistent. I'm going to be stubborn. I'm not going to let the enemy talk me out of what God has promised me faith great faith come on we're human so it's easy to judge things based on our human mind but God begins to go oh walking on water doesn't impress me it impresses y'all I'm impressed by your ability to sustain faith for a prolonged period of time so I can look at Peter and say it was little faith because you only did it for a short amount of time can I ask you a question? How long have you had faith? Oh, come on. Come on. And, and, and I, I'm preaching to me. I can remember me and my wife going through a miscarriage and God challenging me and saying, do you still believe? Do you still believe? Do you still believe? I'm grieving and God is going, do you still believe? Do you still, come on, because if your faith can't make it through trial, through suffering, through the valley, then boo-boo, you got what I call Ikea furniture faith. It's real cute, but come on, we've all bought some Ikea furniture, and then we put it in a box truck and moved it somewhere, and I don't know how a cabinet becomes a pile of breadcrumbs. I don't know how that happens, but come on, I call that fragile faith, faith that needs everything to work out, faith that needs guarantees. So pastor, like, are you saying that if I give 10%, I will get a job? <laughs> Don't act like you've never tried to get a guarantee from God. Don't act like it. This is the kind of faith that says there are no guarantees. You may start tithing and stay unemployed. Can you sustain faith? Because for whatever reason, we have separated faith from faithfulness. To be full of faith means to be faithful. If we're going to be people that have great faith, then we're going to also have to be the people that what? Are faithful. Faithful through trial, faithful through issues, faithful through life. Just faithful. God, I'm in this till death do us part. You got me. Whether things work out my way or not, because you don't serve me, I serve you. Okay, come on. We got to keep moving. Are you getting anything? I know. I'm forcing us to think about faith. I got it. I, I feel you. It's a paradigm shift.
Come on, let's keep going. Let's go to John chapter 2. This is my favorite. On the third day, A took place at Cana in Jesus' mama was there. Mom Dukes is at the wedding, okay? Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, uh-oh, Jesus' mama said to him, Jesus' mama walk up, Jesus, now you done brought 12 dudes up to this wedding. I don't know how you got a plus 12, but you got a plus 12. And that weird one, now, what's his name, Judas? You watch out for him. Mama's always right, trust me. Look at him over in the corner staring at people. He just weird. <laughs> Judas weird. Something up with him. Anyway, baby, they ain't got no wine. You know they're about to be real embarrassed. So, I mean, I was just sitting at table number 14, minding my business. I overheard, you know what I'm saying? I overheard, and, and they running out of wine, and I know. I know you can fix it. So go ahead, do your little thing. Bippity boppity boo it, Jesus. Let's go. <laughs> let's go. Okay. Abracadabra. <laughs> let's, let's go. And Jesus, who? Jesus. Woman. <laughs> now, you, my mama's black. I wouldn't be here preaching, okay, if I'd called my mother woman. Anyway, here we go. Woman. <laughs> Why do you involve me, Manny International Version? This ain't none of my business. <laughs> Mama, this ain't none of my business. Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. So not only does Jesus say no, but then Jesus tells her why. Oh, come, she's blessed. Because most of the time when you get a no, you don't get no reasons. God is not concerned with sending you an email about why. It's just Denied, <laughs> right? No. Jesus not only says no, but says my hour has not yet come. Here we go. Here's what I need us to see. At this point, if Mary had no faith or little faith, she would have heard. Come on, she would have heard. She would have heard no and done what? taking her seat at table number 14. And she would have went back and said what? Guys, I tried. You want to know what the problem is with most of our faith? We've approached Jesus. To the problem, you got to fix it. Jesus says no and then tells you why. And then you go back home and you're like, I tried. which in biblical definition is not great faith. So what does Mary do? Uh-oh, here we go. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Mary leaves Jesus in a very socially awkward scenario. Get this, Mary hears no, but prepares as if the answer was yes. Ooh, I want to know who I'm preaching to. Mary got denied, but refused to take no for an answer. Mary heard no. No, mom. And Mary went, yes, son. Mary heard no, not today. 
And Mary went, Pookie, Ray Ray, what y'all doing? <laughs> Nothing, Mary, we just working weddings on the weekends to make some extra money. Come with me. Now Jesus is going to do what I just asked him to do. And you just got to do whatever he tells you to do. And then Mary goes, ball is in y'all court. <laughs> and leaves. Because great faith. Great faith. Great faith. Uh-oh. Can I preach this? Come on. I need you to help me. Can I preach this? Can I preach this? Come on. Great faith. Great faith. Great faith doesn't just hear what God said. Great faith includes the discernment to know what God means by what he says. Come on, come on, come on. All the husbands, your wives have already trained you to do this. Anyone who's been married for longer than six months knows that when I ask my wife, how are you? There's a difference between I'm okay and I'm okay. The same words can mean two totally different things. You know what we like to do? We want to take the most complex being in the universe and simplify him down to just say what you mean and mean what you say. Boo-boo, he's more complicated than your wife, okay? So I don't understand how you have enough discernment to know that a woman can say the same thing and mean two different things, but you are annoyed with a God who can say the same thing and mean 50,000 different things. And at some point, you're going to have to hear, no, my hour has not yet come, and understand that what he means by that is pray a little longer, fast a little bit, actually seek my face a little bit more, be faithful, come on, chase after. It, if this is what you really want, grab hold of the altar and refuse to let go until I bless you. At some point, you're going to have to hear no and decide no is not what I came for. And I'm not relying on a yes from him. I can hear no and pull a yes out of it. What made Jesus... Move from no to what happened next. We all know how the story ends. He got the water, turned it into wine. How did Jesus go from nah, not today, to his first miracle? Because a human, a human, a human, I'm going to say it till you get a human, a human, a human, a human, a human, a human pushed God into the miraculous. A human pushed, you're waiting for God to push you into the miraculous. But maybe, just maybe, this is a God that says crazy things like whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. This is a God that says actually you've got a lot of agency here. You've got a lot of influence over what I do. Maybe, just maybe, if there's a group of people crazy enough in Vista, California, just maybe revival would show up here. Maybe if there's one person in a family that is toxic, that they could be the person to break the generational curse in that family. Come on, I'm not waiting on God. God's waiting on me to have faith, to believe, to be stubborn and persistent. 
and not let go. It's funny. Someone can come play keys because everything sounds way more spiritual when <laughs> keys are being played. Thank you so much. Uh, it's funny. Me and my wife decided we're going to have some kids. We thought it was just going to be the easiest thing in the world. We're like, look, I'm, I'm handsome. You cute. The world needs some more Orangos, you know what I'm saying? Let's go. Need some cute black babies running around here. And we went to the doctor. And I mean the most, one of the most crushing days of my life. You know how like when you get bad news, it like takes you, like at first, you're almost like in mild shock. Like no way. What? I don't even know how to respond. I'm speechless. I'm lost for words. I'm blindsided, totally shocked, like thrown off guard. I, I'm, a, I'm a naturally optimistic person. I would have never thought that I, I would be sitting across from a doctor and the doctor would be telling me, you'll never have children. It'll never happen. I remember holding my wife's hand, just like trying to take the news in. I'll be honest with you, for about two, three weeks, I was just broken, just broken. And finally, I realized, wait a second. It's Goliath that pulls the king out of David. David walked up to Goliath as a shepherd and left as a king because the obstacle is there to change you. You're not there to move the obstacle. It's there to make you stronger and make you wiser. So I looked at my wife and I said, hey, babe, if we really believe in God for children, we can't stay in an 800 square foot apartment. It's time for us to buy a home. And, and why haven't we bought a crib yet? And why haven't we bought a diaper genie? And why, why, haven't, we bought, why haven't we bought a baby carriage? And why, why haven't we bought a car? And so I went to Target and just started spending money. Because you can't go where you refuse to sow. Your, your seed gets into your future before you do. You'll see, this is why when Pastor Josh gets up and says, hey, giving, generosity, money, that's a form of worship. It is, because a form of faith. It's saying, whoa, uh, I'm sowing, I'm directing seed into my future. So I remember, I changed all the passwords in our house to my son's name years before we ever got pregnant years before we ever tried IVF years before back in 2017 I was walking around telling people I remember going to Target in faith, just in Target I didn't even know what to buy I was like yeah, uh, this one and there was a couple in Target with a, with a six month old baby and they're just in Target buying baby stuff and they looked at me and they said how old is your kid? And it was a moment where the enemy wanted me to feel awkward, leave, back down, lose confidence. And I said to that couple, I said, well, you didn't even, you, you didn't think this was the answer you were about to get. But doctors have told me and my wife that it's going to be impossible for us to have children. So I'm in Target buying a crib in faith, buying, a onesie, buying onesies in faith, buying diapers in faith. You know why? Because I've heard a no, but I'm going to prepare like I heard a yes. Because faith doesn't see no. Faith says, I don't care what the loan officer.
officer says, I believe that there's a God stronger than the loan officer. I don't care what the doctor said. I believe that there's a great physician who actually holds my future in his hands. So, see, faith is not denying the facts. No. Faith is looking at the facts and seeing through them. Because all a doctor can tell you is the facts. But guess what God can tell you? The truth. All a loan officer can tell you is the facts. But God can tell you the truth. The facts is that, you know what? I don't have sperm. But the truth is that God can do anything. Two fish and five loaves feed thousands of people when God is in it. God tells you the truth. My pastor even called me and said, man, it may stress your wife out to walk past a room every day in your house. It's got a crib in it. It's a lot of pressure. I remember when we went through the miscarriage, that became our prayer closet. That room with that crib in it. The room with the crib. I said, God, I didn't buy this crib in fear. I didn't buy this crib in hope. Every city I went to, I would stop in the airport, I'd get a onesie. My kids got onesies from Colorado, onesies from Tennessee, onesies from Idaho, onesies from all across America. Why? Because of faith. The kind of faith, here we go, if God's will is going to happen in Vista, California, he needs some strong-willed people to make it happen in Vista, California. God's will... It's dependent on what? Your will. Will you will yourself to have faith? Faith is not a feeling. It's a decision of your will. Your ability to say, my feelings are not going to dictate how I act. I'm scared, but I'm going to buy this crib anyway. Scared, but I'm going to prepare anyway. Because most of us, we're scared that we would build an ark and it'll never rain. But you know what I'm more scared of? That it would start to rain and I have no ark to actually sustain me when God's miraculous downpour starts. I want to pray for you today. If you've been struggling with your faith, you have been disappointed, and your faith has just been on cruise control. Come on. You, you've said, I tried. As I said those words, you're like, man, you're preaching to me. Because I've definitely asked God, I've prayed about things, been disappointed when things didn't happen. And then I just turn and, and leave and, and just go, man, I tried. And today, I'm helping you to redefine faith. And you're going to make a commitment. You know what? I've got a will. I've got some of this is just dependent on my will. I've got to redefine faith. If that's you, if I'm preaching to you, you just lift your hand. I want to pray for you. If that's you. Come on, hands going up all over the room. I want to pray for you. God, I thank you right now. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.